Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Everyone loves images from space, pictures of planets and stars and those big galaxy photos from the Hubble. All of those images are visualizations of data, data presented as pixels. It's also possible to make sonifications of data, data presented as sound. That's what you're hearing now. This is the sonification of stellar data from the Kepler Space Telescope. Today on the podcast, we're talking with astrophysicist Lucianne Walkowicz, who created the sonification that you're hearing. Walkowicz is also an artist, and she's created some interesting sound pieces using this sonified data. She even has ideas about how these sounds could make that data accessible to people with visual disabilities. That's today on the Physics Central podcast. I'm Lucianne Walkowicz. I'm the Henry Norris Russell Fellow at Princeton University in the Department of Astrophysical Sciences. Uh, my research really delves into um, how stars affect the habitability of the planets that orbit them. So not just uh, how much light does the planet receive, um, but does the star have, for example, flares, much like our sun has, that influence whether that planet might be a good or a bad place to look for life. Walkowicz is also an artist. I work in a variety of media. I have my background is mostly in oil painting um, and also uh, comic books. But lately I've been working with um, a number of new media, uh, such as photography, video, uh, and most recently sound. Physics pays the bills, but she doesn't call her art a hobby. I really dislike the word hobby because to me, hobbies are kind of something you can leave or take. And for me, I really think that there's a really important role that my art plays in the way that I think about the world and sort of the processing of information that my mind does. And so I don't think that I could stop doing art any more than I could stop doing science. While it hasn't always been the case, lately Walkowicz says her science is influencing her art. Take this project she did with sonification, using data from the Kepler space mission that she's analyzing in her research and turning it into sounds. Kepler was designed primarily to search for planets outside our solar system, but it's doing much more than that. Among other things, it's also telling scientists about the rotation rate of distant stars. Stars spin on their axes, just like a top, just like the Earth does. So stars will rotate anywhere from, if they're very fast, it's, you know, uh, maybe half a day, out to weeks, out to months. Our sun, in particular, um, rotates on its axis once every month or so. So Walkowicz took that one variable, the star's rotational frequency, and she turned it into sound. The rotation period of our sun, um, that's sort of roughly 25, 26 days, is mapped to be middle C. So sounds that are higher than middle C are stars that are rotating more rapidly and have a higher spin frequency. And stars that are lower than middle C are stars that have uh, a slower rotation, basically a lower spin frequency. So you can tell by listening whether a star is rotating fast or whether it's rotating slowly. Here's a piece that Walkowicz calls Stellar Spin 2. This is the raw audio data. 
The piece is 90 seconds long, but it represents about three months of data from one star. Walkowicz took that and did a little bit of production on it, using a bit of reverb and some other effects to get a slightly different sound. Here's that. The reason that I have turned it into sound is that your ears are actually extremely good at picking up very subtle changes in pitch. Um, much more so than uh, you would be able to recognize these signals if you were to make a graph, for example, of how bright the star is with time. You can actually hear the slight bending of the pitch and the change in pitch over time as you start measuring the different frequencies that that star is spinning at. It might surprise you to learn that the rotational rate of stars can change so easily. The rotational rate of the Earth, for example, is pretty stable, about 24 hours per rotation. But in fact, it's a little more complex to talk about how fast stars are rotating because they are not solid bodies. Different latitudes on the star actually spin at slightly different frequencies. You can think of it almost like a Rubik's Cube, where they sort of spin at slightly different rates. So our sun at the equator, the equator of the star goes around every 25 days, but the poles take 30 days to go around. We call this differential rotation. The Kepler mission was designed to measure the brightness of stars very, very precisely. So when a planet passes in front of a star, Kepler sees a dip in the star's brightness. That's how scientists have identified so many extrasolar planets. But sunspots can also create a dip in the brightness. These are dark spots on the surface of a star that are created by magnetic fields. Think of them like freckles on the star. And Kepler can spot the drop in brightness created by one of those spots. Kepler can also trace the movement of those spots. And that allows scientists to measure how fast different parts of the star are rotating. Now, changes in the star's brightness due to these sunspots is usually much more obvious than changes caused by a planet. So generally, in the sound files that Walkowicz has created, we do not hear the transit of planets. In the sound files I played for you earlier, you may have heard multiple notes playing simultaneously, and that indicates the presence of multiple sunspots and rapid changes in the notes might indicate that things are evolving on the surface of that star. Maybe a sunspot is disappearing and a new one is appearing somewhere else. There can be a lot of changes in the rotational frequency that Kepler is measuring. Last August, Walkowicz was asked to do an installation at the TED Fellows Retreat. She's also a TED Fellow. She created something called the Cosmos Room. Basically, the Cosmos Room was a dome with a video projection on the ceiling, sort of meant to be um, a little like a planetarium and a little bit like a sort of meditation room. When people enter the Cosmos Room, a microphone picks up the ambient noise that they create, and in response, it plays one of the sound files that represents a star. The more ambient noise there is, the more files the Cosmos Room will play. 
Essentially, it created this sort of live cascade of all of these different sounds of the stars. And on the floor were small meditation mats uh, laid out in the same pattern as the detectors that the Kepler telescope, which actually took the data, are arranged on the sky. So essentially, it was a reflection of the observations that had been taken with them sort of cascading over you in the form of sound. And so the this is a particular clip that is representative of the sounds that were in the room, but the sounds that were in the room at any given moment were sort of randomly combined and and essentially live and non non repeatable. <laughs> After that, Walkowicz decided to play with these sounds a little bit more, and she created a piece called Powerful Protectors. And the sounds that uh, you hear are Creative common recordings of uh, chanting in Buddhist temples from around the world. So one of the things that I think about is uh, how people connect to the universe. You know, basically, I find that my research and my work as a scientist allows me to have this sort of connection to the universe and to nature, such that, you know, I feel like I, I almost have like an augmented reality experience <laughs> of things around me by looking at it and thinking about how it works and why it looks the way it does and, you know, what would happen if, you know, dot, 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 whatever. And I think for a lot of people, the way that they connect to the universe is not necessarily through science, but often through religion. And so those two things are sometimes go hand in hand, but more often I think kind of collide with each other. And so in these sounds, I think there's uh, an interesting aesthetic uh, similarity to chanting and that they're sort of rhythmic, they're repetitive in a sense with slight deviations over time. And so I wanted to juxtapose those two sounds together and kind of weave them together. And if you listen to the piece, over time, some of the sounds, you know, actually really complement each other. Sometimes they blend together and you actually can't really tell that they're, um, they're happening in separate spaces. And then sometimes it's actually sort of a cacophony and they really compete with each other and they um, essentially wipe each other out. Besides the artistic value of Walkowicz's work, there may also be a practical one. She's considered how the sonification of this data could make it accessible to persons with visual disabilities. Citizen science projects currently exist that allow non-scientists to sift through Kepler's graphic data and help scientists hunt for planets. So it's not inconceivable that something similar could exist, but with audio data. For now, though, that's a theoretical. But Walkowicz says that her work also serves an outreach purpose, that it connects people with science and scientists in an interesting way. You know, what I think is so compelling about it as a piece of art is that when I look at data um, as a scientist, what I'm looking for is structure and patterns. And a lot of times that exciting moment is when you look at something and you can see that there's something going on, but you don't know what it is yet. You don't know why that structure is in your data, and you don't know what causes it. 
so what I wanted to do by turning these uh, data into sound is to give people a chance to sit and listen and hear, oh, you know, like I hear that something's changing. I hear that the pitch is bending with time. I hear that there are multiple frequencies. I wonder why that is. Because I think that that's really missing from how we go about communicating science is giving people a chance to experience that moment of seeing that there's something there and being curious enough to investigate it further. You know, certainly if you listen to some of these, you know, they're very pleasant and peaceful at times, but then they can actually be downright annoying. <laughs> you know, not everything um, sounds pleasant. Some things are sort of um, dissonant and ringing or very high-pitched. and um, So it's not always pleasant. You know, it's not always like a wonderful, peaceful experience to dig through your data. A lot of times it can be very frustrating. You don't understand what's going on. You can tell that there's something that you want to get at and you don't know what it is. You know, nothing you are doing is illuminating your experience. Um, and so for better or worse, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to give people the possibility of experiencing themselves in a way that if you just gave them a graph and tried to explain to them what it was, I think something would be kind of lost in that translation. But I think through these sound pieces, you can give people a chance to have um, the same kind of experience, but it will be their experience. If you'd like to hear more of Wolkowicz's work, we've linked to her SoundCloud page on our blog, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central Podcast.